0: God Talks to an Agnostic is presented by the Wilbury Theatre Group in collaboration with AFRI Productions with support from the Rhode Island Foundation's Bannister Black Philanthropy Fund and an Engagement Services and Resiliency Grant from the Rhode Island Department of Commerce. View the complete list of episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about the show or to learn more about how you can support our work, visit us online at thewilburygroup.org.
1: I call her God, not because she is separate and above all else, just the opposite, because she is connected to and so much a part of everything. That makes sense to me. She is the rain, creator, sustainer of life. You know all those utopian movies where the world is in chaos and everyone is fighting over water and Every, wait, You utopia? No, it's not you. It's not utopian. It's, 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 what is it? It's not you, I'm, what am I trying? I was saying, I was, t- I was talking, t- talking to, to God. Oh, I know how those skateboarders feel. Oh, oh I have a headache. Why is it so dark in here? Wait. Wait, where am I? As I open my eyes, I can tell I'm in the hospital. Yeah. I'm in the Wait. Why am I in... why am I in the hospital? Oh I see Addy.
2: Gladys Kravitz.
3: Baby brother.
2: Dude,
1: you okay? Daddy, Daddy used to call you that, hey, Ma.
3: Hey. Hey. How are you feeling? Because
1: you're nosy. (laughs) Oh. Addie is sitting on the bed, holding my hand. Charlie and Ma are clustered close to her and tight, like one person with three heads. Hey, Ma. Yo, dude, you know where you are? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It's it's we, it's weird. Because I remember that, Grad, gratis, Gladys Kravitz.
0: Why did I remember that? Just just relax, son, you, you need to rest.
1: No, I mean, hey, you know what's really weird? Addie is sitting on this side over here and she's holding my hand way over here. I turned my head to the right. Robin. Robin! Yeah, it's me. It's you. Robin's holding my hand. You're holding my hand. Not Addie. It's Robin. Where did you get? I woke up still in the hospital. My head was still pounding, but but I was thinking a lot clearer, I think. Robin was asleep in the chair next to the bed. She was still holding my hand. I moved and she awoke.
4: Hey, you're up. How are you feeling?
1: Uh, my head wants to explode. Uh, where, where is everybody?
4: They went home last night. I told them I'd stay. Doctor said you're fine. Just kind of banged up. What happened? You don't remember?
1: Uh-uh, Not at all.
4: You were in a car accident.
1: Car accident? When? When did that happen? How long have I been here?
4: Yesterday? It was pretty bad. You totaled your truck.
1: Yesterday.
4: Yeah. Doctor kept you here overnight for observation, but she said you're okay, and you were also really drugged up because of your arm.
1: My arm? Oh, oh damn. What? What is all this?
4: Oh! Stop. Uh, stop. Don't try to move it.
1: What happened?
4: Your arm was trash. Broken in like eight places, you're gonna need some serious PT, and you're gonna be right-handed for a while.
1: Oh, how did this happen?
4: They think you lost control in the rain, ran off the road, truck f- flipped a couple of times. It was crazy.
1: Accident.
4: right? Yeah. You're lucky it's just your arm. It's like concussion. Everything else is fine. They said they think your arm was outside the vehicle.
1: Outside? Where was I?
4: You were driving.
1: Where was I going?
4: I don't know. You had the EMTs tripping though. They thought you were some kind of religious freak talking about talking to God and stuff.
1: That is a trip.
4: And something about skateboarding.
1: Skateboarding? Skate... Suddenly, it all came back to me. I was driving. It was raining. I was...
2: So heaven, you say? That is where people go when they die?
1: Yes, well, not all people. I've gotten to a place where I no longer have to to close my eyes to talk to her, or be half naked. I was holding my arm out the window.
2: Why not all?
1: You have to have lived your life a certain way in order to go to heaven.
2: And what way is that?
1: Good, I guess. To put it simply, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. That's oversimplified, the vacation Bible school version.
2: And this goodness, I gather, would be in accordance with the Ten Commandments, as in, it is good that thou shalt not kill and the rest, yes?
5: Yes,
1: I mean, that's, there's more, more to it, but, but yes.
2: And bad people, those who shalt kill, they go to hell.
1: Yes, they go to hell. I mean, there are others that go to hell, well, and heaven too. Those who shalt
2: kill can go to heaven?
1: I mean, I guess, if they repent. Repent? Uh, Say they're sorry. It's way more complicated than I'm explaining it, but I'm giving these simplified explanations.
2: Vacation Bible school. Yes, Uh, but, uh, but I understand.
1: I felt dumb giving these simple answers, but I was also driving. I needed to focus on the road.
2: So what is this place heaven? I do not understand it.
1: You don't understand heaven. You're definitely gonna trip about hell. Trip? Uh, You'll think it's really crazy.
2: Crazy? Why?
1: Heaven and hell, it's it's a lot. A lot to wrap your head around.
2: Then perhaps it's best that you not give the Vacation Bible School version.
1: No, I don't think the Vacation Bible School description would do it.
2: Yes. so tell me the religion, Bible and stuff version.
1: Yes, okay, Uh, how do I, uh, okay. Heaven, that's where you live, basically. God sits on the throne of the kingdom of, well, I guess, queendom, if they knew. It's supposed to be this beautiful place in the sky.
2: In the sky, not here, connected to all living things?
1: Uh, No, when you die, you're no longer living.
2: Hmm. I'm still confused about this concept of dying and separating, but go on.
1: As I got deeper into trying to explain or describe Heaven and Hell, I was also drawn deeper into my conversation connecting with God. She asked penetrating questions.
2: A soul, which is or can be separated from the body, can be lost and then saved? Then what of the body? Is it also lost or is it saved?
1: She was incredulous when it came to any sort of killing.
2: Holy war? Holy? People kill for their religion? In the name of their masculine god? that makes no sense.
1: The concept of hell just totally took her over the edge.
2: No, that cannot be. How could such a place... I do not believe it. The purpose of hell? Its sole purpose is to cause suffering? Eternal suffering? No, 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 that cannot be.
1: Yes, when the end comes... End?
2: (laughs) End of what? End of... No, enough. End.
1: I felt the deepest quiet I'd ever experienced. It was a bit unnerving. I wasn't scared, well, not like normal scared, but I, it felt, I didn't know what to expect. But then, when she spoke again...
3: There
2: is no end.
1: It was so calm.
2: There is no separation, no heaven in the skies or that which you call the soul. It does not get lost or saved or cast off into the heaven in the skies or... It is true. The soul lives in all of us, but it does not leave. It cannot leave. It is what connects all things living, all of life. It is a part, necessary part, of all things living. She paused. I will show you. Tell me. Describe to me the most beautiful place you've seen. That's easy. In
1: Jamaica, there was this amazing waterfall. Oh. No sooner had I said it, I was transported there.
2: Whoa! Here? Is this the place? Yes,
1: but it's... it's so much more. It wasn't just the waterfall, not like it was when I was there. Words can't describe it. Everything is so... I mean, it's, it's so colorful. The colors are so bright and brilliant. It was so unreal unlike anything you can imagine. I mean, everything was magnified, intensified like a thousand times. Mm, Feel it. Smell it. Taste it. It touched all of my senses. Probably touched senses that I didn't even know I had. It was so intense. I was in the waterfall, standing in the waterfall, but it, it wasn't like I mean, I could feel the water hitting my body, the weight of the falling water hitting my body, but it was, it was, my physical body didn't stop the water. It went through me somehow. I could feel the weight, the power of the, the waterfall rushing through me, but, but at the same time, the, the mist cool brush of the mist on my face. The light brush, it was soothing, cleansing. This happened all at once, all at the same time. I could taste it, the coolest, most pure. All the while, my eyes were open, wide open. I'm seeing things. I, I can't describe it. It's. So beautiful. Then,
2: then I hear. Come.
1: Da- Dad? There, that's got it. That sucker ain't going nowhere. That's, that's my father. Grab the ropes. Charlie, you get in the middle.
0: Can I help? I could do it. Back up, Addie help. Bell. Back Get up, your Addie Bell. Get little butt over here. I want to Get over here, Miss Kravitz. Got to have your nose in everything.
1: Come on, y'all. Get the rope. Get a good grip. Okay, okay, I got it.
0: I got
3: mine. I'm ready. Put your foot against that rock. I got it. I,
1: I got it. All right, let's, let's, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> Easy. Easy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Slow, oh wait, slow down, slow down, slow down, yeah. slow down. There, okay, there, there you go. All right, boys. All right, that's got it. That's got it. I watch them all walk into the house. Daddy's broad back and shoulders. Good job, boys. Good job. Good job.
3: Me too, Daddy.
1: <laughs> yes. You too, Miss Kravitz. Woo! <laughs> Daddy scoops Addie up and tosses her over his shoulder. Then suddenly, quiet. Deep, deep quiet. Come. She touched me. I I don't know how. It wasn't like normal, not like the rain. It was her personal touch.
2: I know it was her touch. What you are seeing, feeling, you are not seeing through your own eyes, your body. It is what the soul sees, feels. The soul that lives through us. Through all living things, the soul that connects all life. In its natural, replenishing, rejuvenating completeness, it is perfect. Do you feel it?
1: I do. I feel it. It's amazing.
2: Brace yourself. Huh? Brace yourself. She released me.
3: Ah! Ah! Uh, this
1: this incredible excruciating pain shot through my body. Uh, seized my entire body. Uh, 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 just like a beauty was a thousand times the beauty you could imagine, so was the pain. Uh, uh, it was unbearable. It it. Uh, it Totally
2: consumed me. You can't imagine such pain. What is this? What are you doing to me? What are you doing? No, it is not I. It is when thou shalt kill. It is the pain in the soul. The pain of the unnatural termination of a life not fully lived. Every time, every life, every unnatural termination, it is this pain. This pain the soul feels.
1: She touches me, and the pain goes away.
2: The soul cannot be separated. The connection cannot be broken. The soul connects all life. It holds all of life's beauty. It, too, holds all of life's pain.
1: Is it always present?
2: Yes, to those who avail themselves.
1: How? Avail themselves to what? To me! Suddenly, I see myself in my backyard at Rose Avenue, standing at the edge of the yard, at the... the creek bank. The water in the creek is near cresting, rushing muddy current.
2: What are you searching for?
1: I see the clothesline, dress and shirt still attached. The handless shirt sleeve seems too slow, reaching for me. Knowing I cannot reach it, but I extend my arm anyway as the shirt is swept away. Robin is still holding my hand. I saw my father. She showed me my father at our old house, Rose Avenue. I was with him. I also saw...
4: Mace. You saw Mason?
1: There was so much beauty, unimaginable beauty. And there was great pain.
4: I guess you can't have one without the other.
1: They released me from the hospital that day. Robin got me home. She immediately jumped in the shower. No sooner had I gotten settled in the den when... In here.
3: (laughs) Hey, baby brother. Hey, Addie Bell. How are you feeling? Uh,
1: Like a knucklehead who totaled his truck.
3: When we heard about the accident, they didn't say how bad you were hurt. The whole drive to the hospital, I was crying and cussing you out. (laughs) Sorry. What happened?
1: Addie, she's real.
3: She, uh, as in the rain?
1: Yes, the rain.
3: So for you, the rain is God? God is the rain.
1: Well, hearing you say it like that kind of sucks all the credibility out of it.
3: No, I'm just trying to make sense of it. Is it tangible?
1: forget you. Funny.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, I deserve that. (laughs) Yes,
3: damn right you do. (laughs) Okay, seriously, seriously, help me understand. I want to know. Come on, I'm not making fun, I'm serious.
1: It's not that. Then what is it? It's... uh, Whatever I say will sound to you exactly like what you've always said has sounded to me.
3: (laughs) So you're saying, you can't explain it? It just is? Is is that what you're saying?
1: I would say because it is rain and I can feel the rain, actually feel the rain, Mm. that Makes it tangible.
3: But you're still saying the rain talks, right?
1: Right. Right. Okay, 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 I see your point, I see your point.
3: I'll give it to you, it is different.
1: I think it is. You would. (laughs) You know, for the record, I never questioned your belief. I questioned whether or not there was a God, but never questioned your faith. I actually admired it. Still do.
3: But that's not what it's about. I know.
1: know. But I want you to know that. That I respect you and your faith.
3: Thanks. So what now? What do you do with all this? What do you mean? Charlie thinks you're an (laughs) apostle. Officially an apostle.
1: Are you surprised?
3: He said that you... (laughs) 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 He said... <laughs> he I, said, "You should go out there and preach the gospel oh, of the God. rain." <laughs> I could see that.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I, I know you could.
3: Definitely. We gonna bring Reverend Drip <laughs> to the pulpit. Uh,
1: excuse me, that's Reverend Raindrop.
3: Excuse me, Reverend Raindrop. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Reverend Drop, Reverend Drip's cousin, Reverend Drip in raven drop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you stupid. You're so Let
3: stupid. us turn to our text from the <laughs> Book of Thunder. <laughs> Book of Thunder. Where is it saying in the beginning there was clouds? Preach. Cubeless clouds.
1: Amen for the cumulus.
3: Nimbus class. Nimbus, Lord, Nimbus. Oh, some serious class. Serious? Are you serious? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Let
3: the church say amen for the stradivarius class. Lord, that's a violin, amen. Amen for the violin and the rain. Sit unto me. Well, go forth. Come on, what'd he say? Get away! <laughs> and the people they got wet.
1: Amen for the wet people. Amen. Amen. <laughs> He's so stupid. You <laughs> <He's> so. <laughs> I, I, this hurts. Stop. Stop. <sighs> uh, uh, stop. <laughs> and there we were, two halves of a whole, two very different halves, but we were once again whole.
4: I heard you and Audi talking. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? Uh,
1: Definitely not going out to spread the gospel of the rain.
4: Come on, I'm being serious.
1: Actually, I do know what I'm gonna do, have to do. What's that? Find others.
4: Find others? Where? How, where would you look?
1: She said, ask the trees.
4: The trees?
1: And she said, people who avail themselves.
4: What people? What trees?
1: The rainforest.
4: Huh. Makes sense. When do we go?
1: The rainforest. It sounds too easy, I know, but it also makes sense. It rains all the time. There are tribes, a few tribes here, who who don't live in walled-in structures, who live close to nature, unspoiled by Western culture. They their lifestyle allows them to avail themselves to the rain. Doesn't that make sense? It didn't take long for Robin and I to find a source that would get us to such a tribe deep in the South American rainforest. We had to wait a few months to let my arm heal. But as soon as I got the go from my doctor, we were on our way. The plane ride and the drive that got us to the edge of the rainforest wasn't exactly coach, but it was luxury compared to our modes of transportation going forward. Indiscernible voices in several languages of the dock workers, villagers, and tourists scuttling around the boats set the tone, an appropriate start for our adventure.
5: Over here. You, you come.
1: A handsome, rugged brown skinned man waved us onto one of the boats. His Mayan roots shone prominent in his face, strong and proud. Here,
4: I'm gonna give. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. He grabbed Robin's backpack and helped her navigate the tenuous little dock and onto the boat.
4: Whoa, whoa.
1: Easy. (laughs) He noticed my arm, which was still in a brace, and gave me a questioning look. I'm fine. I moved my arm around and extended it above my head. He smiled and his face relaxed. God, that hurt. But he was satisfied. We go now. The boat was filled with goods to be delivered to the villagers down the river. The boat's pilot and two dock workers joined us on the trip. The boat's pilot whistles, he and the dock workers shouted goodbyes. The boat's engine struggles to get up the energy to take off. Our tour guide turns and reassuredly...
5: It's fine, relax. Settle in, it will be a long ride.
1: Then irony upon ironies.
5: My name is Jesus, I am your guide.
1: Robin and I looked at each other.
5: (laughs) This is Chetumal. We will sleep here for tonight. Tomorrow we will start early in the morning. Come.
1: As we walked through this little remote village, both Robin and I noticed the physical clash of the significant Western influence against the traditional indigenous culture. The people, however, went about their business totally comfortable in their surroundings.
4: You know how in the movies they always make it seem like when the Americans come into a place like this, the villagers get all excited? These people could care less about us. (laughs) I know, right? I love that shit.
1: You
5: will sleep here.
1: Jesus led us into what seemed like the center of the village. There was a small cabin. It was neat with the bare minimum of accommodations, bed, shower. Toilet. We are happy for this because the next four nights, we'd really be roughing it.
5: Uh, it is not the Holiday Marriott, but it is good for you.
4: Oh, snap! Jesus got jokes! Stop!
5: <laughs> Stop!
1: When he couldn't hear us, Robin would call Jesus Jesus.
5: Sleep well. Tomorrow, I take you to Promised Land. <laughs> oh, snap! I joke! <laughs> He heard you. He heard me. (laughs) Yes,
1: he heard you.
5: Buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You are ready? Yep, we're ready. Good. We go now. Come.
4: Jesus. No breakfast?
1: You just can't help yourself, can you? (laughs) For you. Jesus hands us each a bag of fresh fruit and bottled water.
4: All right, I'm done. For now.
1: <laughs> At the edge of the village awaits the start of our plunge into the rainforest. This part could have been scripted for the movies. We approach what looks like the world's oldest bus, crowded with people, goods and animals. Yes, we are seated next to a woman who has a baby in one arm and a live chicken or, or rooster in the other. Waiting for what?
4: For somebody to ask me to hold their damn chicken.
1: And what if they ask you to hold their baby?
4: Give me the damn chicken.
1: Gradually, my funny little Robin is coming back. The bus comes to a stop in the middle of this lush, green nowhere.
5: Vamonos! we get off here.
1: Robin, Jesus, and I exit the bus along with half dozen others.
5: We walk from here.
1: As the bus takes off, Robin and I look at each other, recognizing the last connection with civilization, as base as it was, is driving off.
5: Por aquí, this way.
1: The others took off in different directions, on well-worn paths. We, looking at the overgrowth, took the path less traveled. Jesus pulled a giant machete out of his backpack and hacks away, clearing our path.
5: It gets better inside, once we reach the trail.
1: It was more than an hour hacking through the foliage. I asked Jesus if he wanted me to do some of the hacking, but he said no.
5: Ah, I'm used to it. Save your energy. That was ominous. No, no, not like that. Heat, humidity, rough terrain. You will be fine, though.
1: We traveled another few hours or so until we came upon the remains of a tribal settlement.
5: We will camp here for the night.
1: Jesus gives me the machete.
5: Clear a space here to pitch your tent. I will be back.
1: Robin and I spend the next few hours clearing the space and getting our tent up.
4: Ah, Jesus was right, I'm beat. It's not even sunset and I'm ready to crawl up in this tent and crash.
1: Well, that's cool. What else are we gonna do until he gets back? Robin and I crashed pretty hard. By the time we woke up, it was dark out. Jesus had returned and started a fire.
5: Hey, how are you? Rested.
1: That nap was good.
5: Necessary. Yes. So, what is this place? Home, the tribal lands of my ancestors.
4: Your people are originally from the rainforest?
5: Yes, for many centuries. Until three generations ago, we had no contact with the world outside of the rainforest. This was our world. Everything we needed was right here.
4: Did you ever live here?
5: No. It had been decimated by the time I was born. I grew up in a village similar to the one where we slept last night. What happened? Missionaries. Missionaries found us and determined that our culture was primitive, that we needed saving. Within two years of their influence, their presence, the culture of my people was almost completely erased.
4: How is that even possible?
5: I used to ask myself that question. Used to? I now understand how. It's a process, Wes. You chip away at it, at all the basic elements of a culture. Provide what appears to be a better option. Usually it's not better, but easier. Then you seduce the people with addictive libations and the like. A culture like ours, for centuries, existed on the idea of collective responsibility. When people stop or or, or are too incapacitated to do their part, the breakdown of the culture quickly follows. That is insidious. Yes. But what's more insidious, is why. What do you mean? We were a perfectly thriving culture. Did no harm to anyone. What God could see fault in that?
1: We were up early the next morning. Tents broken down, packed and ready to go by the break of dawn. As we headed out, Robin noticed a clearing.
4: What's that?
5: It is our ancestral burial ground. I cleared it yesterday.
4: Can we look?
1: We move to the cleared area. Robin reads the names on the headstones. Maria,
4: 1948. Sarah, 1932. Why is there only one date?
5: They were all born before the missionaries, the names given to them by the missionaries. That one over there, Juan, that is my great grandfather. He never learned Spanish. And never answer to that name. We have to go.
1: We walked for hours, taking in as much of the beauty of the rainforest as we could while focusing on the rough terrain. We took short breaks but pressed hard to reach our destination.
5: The tribe I'm taking you to is a neighboring tribe who are similar to my ancestors. Few people outside the rainforest have ever seen them. Some of them have traveled to cities in efforts to preserve their lands and water rights. I'm only bringing you here because I've been assured you're not missionaries. We absolutely are not missionaries. I know. I'm sure you vetted me as a guide. I vetted you as well.
1: Knowing that Jesus had vetted us actually gave me comfort. He at least knew We were not looking to impact the lives of the people of this tribe. We pressed on deeper and deeper into the rainforest. It rained off and on throughout the day. We were wet for much of our travels, but the the forest canopy above shielded us from direct exposure. We were still miles from the tribe, but moving on well-defined trails. The paths revealed themselves to be the well-traveled anti-infrastructure of the local tribe or tribes, not having to carve and chop our way through allowed us to see and appreciate the beauty of the rainforest, or as Baxter would say.
4: I'm loving this dope ass jungle.
1: Knowing her, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was surprised how much she marveled at our surroundings.
4: Everything is so alive. So, I mean, everywhere, everything all around you is alive. It's like life on top of life on top of life.
1: I watched her take it all in.
4: Look at how big these leaves are. Nothing grows this big at home. You hear people use the term lush, but until you stand here in the middle of all this, you really don't know. Have no idea what lush really is. You gotta see it, touch it, smell it. Mmm. You can't, if if you can't take in a big deep breath of this, you can't say you know what Lush is. This is all, whoo, look at that. Look, look. Damn, look at that. Look at it. Big giant ass prehistoric dinosaur bug. And he's not moving. He's like, I ain't got to go nowhere. This is my spot, bitch. (laughs) You're right, Mr. Bug. Go ahead. I ain't gonna mess with you.
1: She took it all in. The sounds, the smells. I mean, we both did, but I loved seeing how she completely consumed everything.
4: Listen. Do you hear that? There is no sign of humans. No cars or traffic. No cell phones ringing or beeping messages at you. No nothing. Not even planes.
1: I love it when she says stuff like...
4: The jungle makes its own music. It has its own vibe. You hear it? The jungle does its own thing without us. Or, or maybe in spite of us? Nah, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, without us. The jungle could care less about us. Until we come in and start screwing it up.
1: Then she takes it to the next level.
4: Yo, this jungle vibe is so dope. All these sounds. They have their own music. Full concert jam session. Got those birds, and bugs, iguanas, and little fuzzy
3: bulgy-eyed wizards,
4: monkey things. They spit in lyrics. Yes, they spit in some serious rhymes, dropping knowledge. You hear that? That's fire. You hear it? They'd be like, Coo-coo, this place ain't for you. Ca-ca-ca, humans in the jungle need to back the hell off. <laughs> is
5: dope!
1: I could tell Jesus wanted to press on, but Baxter was having too much fun dancing and rhyming. He had to indulge her little mini jungle hip-hop moment. He tried not to show it, but I think he kind of enjoyed it. Or he was at least amused by it.
4: Ain't it like a jungle party Cause a jungle party don't stop cuckoo I said ain't it like a rainforest party Cause a rainforest party don't quit All the birds in the trees say caw
0: Say caw caw Say caw 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 caw
1: The sounds of the rainforest are different at night There is a sense of this this active stillness The sounds completely surrounded us. So many sounds, but it was quieter. The moonlight found its way through the the breaks in the canopy. The lush canopy, as Baxter would say. But the night was still very much alive, but quieter, peaceful. We had set up our tents and Jesus had made a fire. I brought a small pair of speakers and solar charger. Gave us the ability to listen to music, but it was obvious. We all preferred to listen to the natural sounds around us. We sat for what seemed like hours, not speaking. No one said a word. We all just listened. Listened to the rainforest. The next day, again, we were up early, always with the break of dawn, packed and ready to go. It would be a full day's travel before reaching the remote tribe. The plan was to reach the village by sunset, so I noticed something different in Jesus today. He always pushed the pace, walking a few paces ahead of us. I assumed he maintained that distance in case he came upon something that he would need to warn us about or or stop us. But today, he was physically distancing himself from us, intentionally, never out of eyesight, but he was definitely not with us. He had to stop several times to wait for us to catch up. I looked at him as he stood there waiting. I sensed it wasn't just the physical distance he wanted, needed. As we approached, He looked in our direction, but not at us. He looked past us, sometimes through us, before he turned and pressed on. After this happened several times, I stopped, turned back to look, to see what he was seeing, what he was looking for. But it wasn't what was behind us that informed me. It was what I saw when I searched deep into his eyes. His eyes told the story. Earlier, he had shared with me that he does not make this journey often. He almost never brings outsiders to this remote tribe. Only twice before, both had indigenous roots. The decision to bring me in was much harder. In his vetting of me, he learned that I was not connected to a church nor did I have any religious affiliation. It was important that I also had no academic affiliation. He had no desire to subject his people to be looked upon, probed and reduced to lab rats. His concern was with how the people of the tribe would be impacted by outsiders, any outsiders, even those with indigenous roots. He had turned many of them away. He was very protective of all influence. Worries of how the tribe would be impacted by what outsiders bring into the village and also what they would take away. With me, I could see he had begun to question what I might take away. Ah, the rain. With the thick forest canopy overhead, I knew I wouldn't be able to talk to her, but that was fine. The cool water, when it did reach my skin, it felt good. I started to wonder, what might I take away? I didn't fear that what I bring into the tribal village will have undue influence. I feel like I'm, I'm coming with nothing, nothing sustainable. Certainly I'll leave no physical, sustainable anything. I believe I will my interactions will have little or no impact. I'll have a conversation, learn what I learn, and leave them as I found them. My presence, my my interactions will not even make a page or, or a paragraph in the history of this tribe. I believe Jesus recognizes that as well. So then his concern must be, what will I take away? The connection with nature is well known among the indigenous people. The physical, spiritual, historical connection with the the natural surroundings of the rainforest is deeply rooted in their heritage. Even those who have since left, adopted or adapted to Western culture know of this connection. This, for Jesus, is completely elemental to the makeup of his people. He has championed this this relationship all his life. It is in him. Even though he was raised in Western culture, the stories of his elders, his his grandfathers, great-grandfather, resonate with him, resonate with him to his core. Although he has not spoken to her directly, Jesus knows the rain speaks. He knows the trees communicate with each other And would do so with us if we allow it. Having been convinced that I too had spoken to her, like his grandfather's and great grandfather had spoken to the rain, he agreed to take me on this journey. His concern what would I do with it? This beautiful, rich, and complex tapestry that is the indigenous culture. Each element a strand intricately woven into the fabric of their centuries-old heritage unspoiled by western influence. Could I? Would I disrupt that? Did I need to assure Jesus that I would not come in and and snip a corner of the fabric and, and take it back to my world to exploit? Convince him that I would not become yoga? We had taken only a few breaks on this sticky hot day. When it wasn't raining, the humidity was heavy in the air. Jesus pushed us to be sure that we would reach the village before dark. We smelled the smoke of the campfire just before the path began to widen. Soon after, we began to hear voices in the distance. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, the forest opened up to a bustling little village. There were bamboo structures with thatched roofs. People gathered around fires burning in and around the structures, sitting on broadleaf ground coverings. Everyone was busy, engaged in whatever their role was in the functioning of the village. Talking, laughing, giving instruction, beckoning the assistance of one villager to another. We were immediately noticed when we entered and and Jesus was cheerfully greeted with hugs, handshakes, pats on the back and chest. Jesus explained who we were and we too received welcoming embraces. Some of them had learned to say hello and welcome, but nothing more, really. I looked at Baxter. She was in awe. She delighted in everyone coming to meet her. Hardly anyone wore more than a loincloth, and maybe a, an adornment on their head or around their neck.
4: You sure this is the Amazon and not the Congo? Your girlfriend over there is darker than me.
1: Well, she had a point. Skin tones range from deep bronze to dark chocolate.
4: And everybody up in here buck ass naked. I could be down with this. I'd better pop my titties out too.
1: I don't think that would be a problem.
4: Damn right. Went in buck ass wrong.
1: Darkness came quickly. Jesus took us around and introduced us to all the villagers. They fed us some sort of soup with thick leaves. Unique taste, interesting. Then we sat around the fire at the entrance of one of the elders dwelling. Not sure if it was a regular nightly custom or if they were doing it for us. The elders shared stories. Jesus said it was their oral history he tried to translate in real time, but it was, it was too distracting. But we were good just listening. I think both Baxter and I appreciated just hearing his voice,
3: soft, throaty, melodic
1: tone rising up and down. Even though we couldn't understand the words,
2: we understood the
1: emotion, the song of his people. To my delight, we woke to a strong, steady rain. I was so excited, I thought, this is it. And then, in the next instant, I thought, this is it. What if I traveled all this way and I find no one here actually does talk to the rain, the way I do, with her voice, her voice actually speaking to them? What if they too have that spiritual thing that her voice is just in their head? What if her voice is just in my head? What if I've come all this way, dragged Robin all this way to find, to find it's only a voice in my head? If I imagined this, if this was all in my head, what does that mean? What does that make me? Not until this very moment did I ever question. It was so real that I never questioned it. I mean, yes, I've traveled all this way to find proof, but I was of the mindset that I'm seeking confirmation, confirmation of what I know, not trying to prove something that just may be. Robin and I step outside our tent to what looks like the entire tribe, all standing in the rain, waiting for us, me. There's a subdued excitement amid questioning eyes. Something else I hadn't thought of. Well, I mean, I hadn't completely thought through how they respond to me. This could be viewed as as a sacred tribal thing. I mean, Does everyone have the ability to talk to God, or is it just a select few who hear her words and and bring the message to the people? Is that what was happening last night? Was it some sort of setup to let people know what was to happen today?
5: Vámonos!
1: Jesus ushered us through the crowd. He led us to the edge of the village to a clearing. There the rain was coming down hard, Unobstructed by the rainforest canopy, seated in the center was the elder whose stories we listened to last night. As we walked toward him, I could hear the quiet. It was weird. Jesus was talking and I could hear him, but the quiet. While Jesus explained that he was to interpret only my words to the elder and the elders to me, I took off my shirt.
5: Hello. Hello.
1: What did he say?
5: He said, when it rains like this, it is as if she's singing to us. So, when it snows,
2: am I whispery?
5: <laughs> Strange. He said he's never seen snow. The tribal elder and I looked at each
1: other. In that instant, we both realized... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Mm.
0: God Talks to an Agnostic is written and directed by Don Mays with sound design by Andy Russ, production management by Anna Lee Cavallaro and music contributions by Ashley Frith, the culmination group with Edgar Diaz and the Watson's Gospel Choir. The cast of characters for God Talks to an Agnostic. Don Mays, Agnostic and Father. Rose Weaver, Voice of God. Jackie Davis, Addie, family friend and protester. Rudy Rue Cabrera, Charlie and protester. Pamela Lambert, Jocelyn Morgan. Daraja Hines, Robin Baxter and protester. Jason Quinn, Reverend James and Reverend Glenn Davis. Radio announcer, Andy Russ. Jeff Hodge, Reverend Smith and news anchor, Tanya Montenegro, Mrs. Smith, Silla Bento, Mama Baxter, Mindy Brito, Sandra Peterson, ice cream scooper and Alexa, Michelle Watson, gospel soloist, Lorraine Guerra, family friend and protester, Emmanuel Versailles, teen and young Jojo, Oliver Arias, teen and protester. Becky Davis, family friend. Christian Mancinas Garcia, Jesus and village elder. Luis Perez, consultant. God Talks to an Agnostic is produced by the Wilbury Theatre Group in collaboration with AFRI Productions, with support from the Rhode Island Foundation's Bannister Black Philanthropy Fund and an Engagement Services and Resiliency Grant from the Rhode Island Department of Commerce. All episodes were recorded at the Waterfire Arts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. View the complete list of available episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about the series, or to learn more about how you can support our work, visit us online at the Wilbury Group
4: for the two days we've been in this little village it's been it rains every day several times a day so i'm in the tent while he's out in the rain talking to god and the tribal elders the people are wonderful they try we try to communicate with each other It always ends with smiles and nods, and then somebody gives me food. The first time they talked, when he first realized that the tribal elder could actually hear the voice, they heard her say the same thing to them at the exact same time, one voice, but they each understood her in their own language. He told me that's how she communicates. It kind of shocked him, but he was thrilled. It's real, it's real, she's real, he kept saying. And every time it rains, they're out there talking, laughing, debating. Two completely different languages, but they're communicating like... I've sat and listened a few times, and they really... I mean, they each say something and wait, and then respond. Jesus... uh, I mean, Jesus has sat in with them. He's the only one who speaks both languages. He said he's blown away at how accurate they're responding to each other's comments. He can infer what God is saying by the comments he's hearing from both men. I've tried it a few times. I went out, found a quiet spot off by myself. I sat quietly, holding out my arms, feeling the rain focus, like when I meditate, nothing. We leave tomorrow, kinda glad, it's been hard. I realize this is the most time I've spent alone. I mean there are people around, but basically I've been alone, the most alone time since Mace was killed i miss him so much sometimes when i meditate it clears my mind but tonight all i can think about is mace i move to wipe the tears with the back of my hand but it's wet and i'm not sure these are actually tears on my i take in a deep breath I realize it is so quiet. I can't hear the birds, animals, nothing. Every night the forest has been so alive with sound, but tonight, quiet. I feel the rain on my skin. I take off my shirt. I feel every Every raindrop I feel. What am I? It is so quiet. The rain. The rain. Each drop reverberates on my skin. I feel each raindrop. Standing here in the rainforest, in this deep, deep quiet, my face lifted, raindrops hitting my arms, my chest, shoulders, face, and then, then. A single raindrop lands on my cheek. Just below my right eye, this big, heavy raindrop lands on my cheek. It felt like it made a big splash. And... the instant it hit... I hear...
0: Hello.